The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. The rise in NASDAQ futures comes after yesterday's 2% sell-off, and it could be another volatile session as we close out the week. Let's get the latest with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, as one market watcher puts it, there may be fireworks. The NASDAQ 100 is rebalancing. This is a special index rebalance, and we're out of cycle. It's intended to reduce the dominance of tech mega caps, so it's going to boost the presence of smaller members in the index. Now, before it happens on Monday, investors today will bring their portfolio portfolios in line with the benchmark. If that's not all, about $2.4 trillion of options contracts tied to stock and indexes, they're scheduled to mature. This is a recipe for big trading volume and maybe violent price swings. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Well, among the hardest hit in yesterday's high-tech sell-off was Tesla. That stock dropped almost 10% and sliced $20 billion off Elon Musk's fortune. We get this story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The drop in net worth to $234.4 billion is the seventh largest decline ever among those in the Bloomberg Billionaires Index and further narrows the wealth gap between Musk and Bernard Arnault, the world's two richest people. Musk's fortune still exceeds that of Arnault, chairman of luxury goods maker LVMH, by about $33 billion. Musk derives his wealth primarily from his stake in the EV manufacturer, as well as his holdings in space exploration technologies and Twitter. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Charlie, thank you. Microsoft dropped more than 2% in yesterday's sell-off, but the stock is up a half percent in early trading. There are new developments involving its planned $69 billion takeover of Activision Blizzard. And we get that story from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The Federal Trade Commission has paused its in-house trial against the $69 billion deal, and that opens the door to settlement talks. With the administrative case withdrawn, Microsoft and Activision can try to persuade FTC commissioners to accept a settlement or even drop their opposition altogether. The commission is appealing a federal court ruling that favored the deal, but the appeals court declined to block the merger while the appeal takes place. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Jeff, thanks. Meanwhile, Microsoft and other leading AI companies are set to publicly commit to a pledge to responsibly develop and deploy the technology. That's set to happen at the White House today. And we get the details from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The White House had warned Microsoft, Google, and OpenAI that they must ensure the technology doesn't lead to harm. But these commitments are voluntary. There's really only so much the White House can do to steer the most advanced models away from potential misuse. The White House says the agreement will expire once Congress passes a bill, but lawmakers have been holding information sessions for months and might never find consensus on binding legislation. And that leaves the companies, for now, to police themselves. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Amy, thank you. Staying at the White House, President Biden's ordering the creation of a working group to tackle the repeating debt ceiling congressional standoffs. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. 
The group will be composed of administration officials and will not have any Republican members. The president says the continual games of chicken are not healthy for anybody. He says they're tasked with finding constitutional-based solutions. There is no time frame as of now, and as a matter of fact, there isn't even a date set for the first session. The president has been pushed by the liberal wing of his party to get something like this done. In San Francisco, I'm at Baxter Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. The Biden administration is moving to raise the cost of drilling on public lands. The new fees proposed by the Interior Department would raise royalty rates for oil and gas companies by about $1.8 billion from now into 2031. Interior officials tell the New York Times it's part of a broader shift to address climate change by expanding renewable energy and making it more expensive to drill on public land. Turning to the economy now, Karen, there's a threat to the fight against inflation that could be coming at the picket line. About 340,000 UPS workers could walk off the job in the next 10 days. That's if their Teamsters union doesn't reach a new labor deal. It could mean new supply chain disruptions. UPS ships about 19 million packages a day. And if competitors like FedEx raise prices to limit those packages, one analyst tells Bloomberg it could raise inflation by two-tenths of one percent. Well, in corporate news, Nathan Blackstone has become the first private equity firm to manage $1 trillion. It's also the world's largest owner of commercial real estate. Blackstone President Jonathan Gray sees deal volume picking up. The deal market feels like it's unfreezing a bit. Um, If you look at our credit area, our direct lending, our pipeline is up more than double than where it was 90 days ago. So I think as people feel better about um, the overall picture, a little more certainty, I think we'll see deal volume pick up as we move forward. Blackstone President Jonathan Gray made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg Shanali Basik. Hear more of that conversation in just a few minutes. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Mayor Eric Adams has doubled down, saying the city has reached its breaking point caring for migrants. Buses of asylum seekers have been showing up across the city for almost a year now, but now they're being turned away. This man says after a four-month journey from Venezuela to New York City, the sheltered doors were slammed closed on him. They're telling us to go find somewhere to go. Where are we going to go with no money? He says part of the latest group of asylum seekers arriving to the Roosevelt Hotel, a city-designated arrival center for asylum seekers, has been shut for the doors of new asylum seekers. If Donald Trump returns to the White House in 2025, the former president says he'll bar babies born in the U.S. from automatically claiming citizenship, ban transgender people from the military, hold elections for school principals, and swiftly end the war in Ukraine. Trump campaigning the challenge President Biden also says his plans include ordering the Justice Department to criminally investigate Biden. Republican Senator Chuck Grassley released an FBI document the GOP says is evidence of bribes paid by Ukrainian businessmen to President Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Grassley claims the document is at the heart of allegations that the Bidens took action to aid the energy company Burisma Holdings, on whose board Hunter Biden served. 
The White House reiterated their criticism of Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville holding up military promotions. More than 250 nominations are currently being blocked by Tuberville, who says he's protesting the Pentagon policy that covers service members' travel costs if they are seeking abortions in states where it is currently restricted. White House Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton. You've seen the consequences already to our military without a Marine Commandant for the first time in 100 years. Um, the ripple effects to hundreds of military families across the, uh, across the system already. In her campaign for the White House, former United Nations Ambassador and Governor Nikki Haley rallied voters in her home state of South Carolina, adding her voice to the red-hot debate over military spending and policies. We will build a strong military. We will modernize our military. It won't just be land, air, and sea. It'll be land, air, sea, cyber, artificial intelligence, and space. Haley spoke in Greenville. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Obviously, just a brutal road trip for the Yankees coming back from the All-Star break, going one and five. The good news, they're back home and playing Kansas City, who's 28 and 70. And the Yanks this weekend will be rooting for the Mets, who play in Boston. The Yanks can't think about trying to win a wild card spot until they at least get back ahead of the Red Sox. They're a game behind. First place in the AL East, now belonging to the Orioles. They won 4-3, starting a four-game series at Stumping Tampa Bay. The Rays began the season 13-0. and they were 20 and 3, but they're 3 and 12 in July, and now in second place behind Baltimore. The Mets, before heading to Boston, lost at City Field to the White Sox 6 to 2. Jose Quintana made his Mets debut, took the loss of Pete Alonso error, led to a 4 run sixth inning for Chicago. They started the second round of the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool with an unlikely three way lead. The Brit Tommy Fleetwood has been a top five finisher in six majors. He's never won one, joined by Emiliano Grillo of Argentina. And a six foot eight inch amateur, Cristo Lambrecht, already today. The American Brian Harmon birdieing three of the first four holes, and he now has the lead. Opening day of Jets training camp. They start with high hopes due to the new QB, Aaron Rodgers. We want to be a part of a place that has high expectations, and uh, there's a lot of positivity around here, which I think is a good thing. Um, but, you know, we got to temper expectations early on at camp and, and focus on the, the little things to get there. It's a long season. It's a journey. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be peaks and valleys. Citing his experience and intellect, Jets coach Rob Sala said yesterday that having Rodgers is like having another assistant coach. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Alternative assets are coming of age. That's what we're hearing from the president and chief operating officer of Blackstone Group, Jonathan Gray. He sat down with our Shanali Basic to discuss the firm reaching a trillion dollars in assets under management. They also talked about the outlook for deal-making and the economy. Let's go to part of that conversation. 
Blackstone started by Pete Peterson and Steve Schwarzman in 1985 with $400,000 and a dream, and today crossing a trillion dollars. That's a pretty remarkable achievement. It's a real credit to our people. It's a credit to the performance we've delivered to customers. Nothing matters more than that. And it's also uh, reflects the real spirit of innovation of this firm. We're constantly looking for new ways to serve our customers. What excites us is that investors are increasingly seeing alternatives as a core portion of their portfolio. Alternatives are really coming of age. And as a result, we're seeing insurance companies, individual investors, pension funds who've been at it for some time, increase their allocations, and that gives our business a lot of runway as we look forward. Are the financing markets becoming open enough for you to do something big? At what time will we see Blackstone doing multi-billion dollar deals, perhaps deals along with partners again at that scale? Well, we've done a few large deals this year. Um, we, we announced at the end of last year, Emerson's climate technology business for $14 billion. We privatized Cvent, an online event management business, a multi-billion dollar transaction. Uh, we're looking at a number of things of scale. Obviously, the financing markets make it a little bit trickier, and you've got to be creative in trying to pull transactions together. So this takes some time. Um, but the good news is we've got $200 billion of dry powder, and that dry powder allows us to move when opportunities arise. I think we'll see more of those opportunities over the next year. Um, it's hard to put our finger on it exactly when it'll happen, but I just feel across our platform, there'll be some interesting things and scale is a real advantage for us. Let's talk about the macro environment for a second, John. Is some of that uncertainty clearing, particularly as it comes to inflation? Yeah, I think the good news on inflation is it's trending down. The Fed is really winning this war. They're not ready to declare victory. But what we see in our portfolio companies is input costs really coming down now to less than 2%. We see wages, which were running higher than 7% mid last year, to growing at less than 5%. Forward indicators in hiring and vacancies are also positive. So the labor market is starting to soften. It's still pretty strong, but I think that's gonna be helpful as the Fed looks forward. Now, what do I think happens? I think they're gonna raise rates, it sounds like, one more time, and then they're gonna hold them here for a longer period of time to try to slow the economy. And we expect they'll be successful in doing that. Um, we don't think this is 0809 in terms of a slowdown, but you do have to anticipate some slowing of economic activity, some increase in unemployment. But we have, at this point, gone through an inflation shock. We've gone through an interest rate shock. And now we've got a bit of an economic slowdown. But we're getting through this. And I think that's one of the reasons why we see some enthusiasm in the market. There are still a lot of concerns. And you see it in the write-downs already for certain companies when it comes to commercial real estate. I know that your portfolio, you've leaned out of office for a while now. How do you feel about the direction of travel for the property industry moving forward? What are the pitfalls that some investors might be falling into here? 
Well, I think there are continue to be big challenges in traditional uh, office buildings in the U.S., particularly older buildings. Vacancy levels are very high. Rents are under pressure. But where you invest matters. So if you are deployed today in stronger areas like logistics and student housing, data centers, which we talked about, the fundamentals there are very strong. And geographically, obviously, some cities are under significant pressure. Let's use San Francisco as an example. And yet we see a lot of strength in Texas and Florida. And so where you invest, that is key. I think our team in real estate has done a terrific job. And then looking forward, the positives are rates are coming down or at least are no longer going up at the short end like they were. And the long end seems to have stabilized. And that is helpful for commercial real estate values. Also, new supply is coming down, which is another positive when you think about commercial real estate. So both of those things give us some confidence as we look over the intermediate term. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.